Come and see the stars of Championship Wrestling from Memphis on Sunday, March 7th at 2 p.m. Limited tickets are on sale now at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. episode is brought to you by Spunk Lube. Spunk Lube is the perfect blend of water and silicone. It is an all-purpose personal lubricant that can be used for any occasion. You will love the natural feeling and look of it. It is safe for sensitive skin. Go to spunklube.com and tell them shooting the shiznit save you. better tell someone. Tell someone about stspod.club. Tell them now. Call them. Text them. Tell them. Telegram. Send them video messages. Whatever. Tell them. All the Right Notes, the first book by Twitter influencer Lance Levine. It's a wild ride down a path of musical adventure that recaps many random run-ins with rock royalty, such as U2, Slash, The Ramones, The Goo Goo Dolls, and many more. And all the crazy occurrences that have happened to him that trace back to music. All the Right Notes is 209 pages sure to bring a smile to your face and to remind you how much music has probably touched your life as well. All the right notes available now on Amazon in paperback for $14.99 and on Kindle for all you tech warriors for $9.99. Also at local Chicago bookstores, as well as Rolling Stone Records on Harlem and Irving. If you can't find it, ask for it by name. All the right notes by Lance Levine. And I have been told I could not put it down. I read it all in one day. So order it now and see what all the fuss is about. Shooting the shiznit, best little wrestling pockets in the business. Your host BT, and always guests you never know who he'll have next. Shooting the shiznit, shooting the shiznit, best little wrestling pockets in the business. Shooting the shiznit. Live from STS Studios in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And I have, you can see him right here, live on Facebook. Uh, and we will go live on YouTube for the last part of this interview. But it's the one and only Jeff Osborne. How the hell are you, Jeff? How have you been, man? It's been decades. Well, we actually <laughs> talked about yeah. five years ago. We did a podcast together. That's yep. a crazy thing. Uh, but us, man, we go way back, don't we? How long? It was 30 years, maybe? It's like My math's not good. So. 1989, 90, something like that. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. We go back way far. And it was because I was doing the Wrestling Riot, and you started doing a, a, a podcast. And, not a podcast. A <laughs> newsletter. Back then, the same thing now. Uh I got a question because I, I know you probably said this on cassette wrestling news before, but my main question I start with everybody is how did you become a wrestling fan? What did, what turned you on about professional wrestling? 
probably going to be the same damn thing you you said. I mean, at four years old, I'll never forget. I was in, I started kindergarten at four, I guess, because my parents didn't want me around. But uh, Channel 7 Wrestling, man, it was probably Ghoulis back then. Uh, I saw a bad guy on TV named Jerry Lawler, and he kept pinning this guy and getting a one, two, and pulling him up by the hair. And I'm like, man, this is. And it, it captivated me. That particular match captivated me. I don't even know who it was back then. I can't even find that match anymore because it probably predated people being able to tape television. Right, right, right. Yeah. I remember being at my neighbor's house, and I think I moved away from that place in 1979. And I know this was probably 1974, 75. Uh, but I remember watching it, and it just captivated me. And Lawler was such the just the greatest bad guy ever. And I don't know what drug I, I like Lawler and no matter what role he was playing back then. Uh, but that just got me and it hooked me. And somehow I convinced uh, my dad to take me there. Uh, and I was hooked forever. Once I saw it live, man, I was hooked forever. Evansville Coliseum. I mean, legendary stuff in there. That's what I was going to ask you. So you you've been in Evansville pretty much your whole life, and yeah. and been around the world too. I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. But but the deal is that Evansville was a stop. So there's going to be some new fans here, uh, but there is some old people old people that listen to me and you. Uh, but there is going to be some new fans. Uh, they Memphis wrestling would have had a circuit, and they hit certain towns, and Evansville was one of them. Uh, and they went every week and then they, they kind of, uh, cheated on the TV where they actually took the TV tapes and they were, you were a week behind everybody yeah, else. Right. Behind. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, they did that all the time. Um, and so they, and they talked about some people would save the tapes. Cor Cornette said he, when he got there, he tried his best to save as many tapes because when they got so many of them, they would start erasing them, record over them because yep. the tapes cost so much. So they would have been worth tons of money by now. Uh, so you're a fan, you're growing up. Now I know you wrestled, but did you wrestle before you started cassette wrestle news or after cassette wrestle news? No, much like all of us, we just wanted to get in the business. You know, I'm sure you're the same way. Like, man, I love this. I, I would give anything to be in this business. And it wasn't until, uh, you know, a couple of years after I even stopped doing that, that uh, I started training. Uh, I would talk to Eddie Gilbert almost on a uh, definitely on a weekly basis. But sometimes every other day he would just call and he would tease the shit out of me. He would never give me information on what was going to go down on TV. And he's like, better watch Saturday. I'm like, why? He's like, it's going to be big. <laughs> He's like, I mean, really, really, really big. And I'm like, what? what is it? He wouldn't tell me. What was that giant fireball that ended up being about eight foot tall that he threw? This yeah, would have been like see, 90, in the night. Yeah, we've seen that a lot on television after it happened. Yeah. yeah, and I think it was even out the front of the TV show there for a long time. But he, he gave me the – would teach me psychology. And even over the phone, I would I would start to understand. And then, of course, I got with Dutch, and Dutch is another guy who is uh, – vastly underrated as far as his knowledge of the business and psychology goes. And uh, we were trained by these two independent guys in Kentucky who were, they were just terrible. Uh, 
and, and they would get so mad because we would do our thing back then. We were stealing. Uh, we had satellite TV, which was a wrestling fan's dream back then. Right, right. You had this big, big old satellite in your front yard. Is that what oh. you had? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I love that. I had one too. I had a bootleg one, by the way. I could oh. get all the channels. Oh yeah, you got. I mean, you got Florida, you got World Class, Polynesia Pacific, Mid South. You had fifty hours a week of wrestling from all over the planet. Uh, While well, we were stealing Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko. Uh, Chris Jericho, we were stealing all these moves because we had the tape. I mean, we all had the tape hook up back then. And these guys in the dressing room go, where, where you learn all this stuff from? Like, I don't know. We just, we just do it. So we were stealing all these moves because no one got Japanese tapes uh, aside from the inner workings of, of our little, uh, the little click. Yeah. Yeah. And we started stealing the show. And I mean, I was scrawny. I was so skinny. Uh, and they hated that we that we would get over being so skinny and they would look down on it. And I remember Dutch coming to our defense and basically going off on a dressing room one time and everybody after that treated us with respect. But we got blackballed from several shows for doing the flippy floppies. You but, were doing flippity <laughs> floppity before it was cool, wouldn't you? Uh, I mean, yeah. you could be on national yeah. TV now, so yeah, this was yeah. before or after? I, I don't remember. Was Did you become a wrestler after Cassette Wrestling News or before Wrestling Cassette? After? Yeah, it was way after. It was a couple, definitely uh, probably two years after. And I still Tell have, everybody. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There. I, I still have dreams that, uh, that I, <laughs> I feel so bad that I didn't send the final issue out that I wanted to do. I still have oh dreams my God. <laughs> from 30 years ago. Oh, my God, I got to get this cassette out. I can't believe, and I'm I'm looking in my file box, and I see everyone's name of who I screwed over, and you're in there, and, <laughs> and I'm like, I got to get these cassettes out, and then I wake up, I'm like, what the hell do I feel? And I I I guess it hits me subconsciously that I didn't that I ripped people off of like three dollars. Right, right. Well, that's when I quit mine. I sent out a note and said, if you want your money back, I'm going to send it to you. And I did. Yeah. I sent it. Most people said, no, we're only paying like a dollar for. But tell <laughs> since me and you are continuous. I wanted to talk about Cassette Wrestling News. I want you to explain what Cassette Wrestling News is. And I'm, I'm going to say this. That I'm going to steal this from Stone Cold Steve Austin, who said this was the first ever wrestling podcast right here the cassette wrestling news tell me how y'all did it what you did just uh, someone that you don't even know tell them how, what happened there how did it come out how did you mail it i, I bet that was crazy yeah this it, 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 i actually started out with a newsletter it was handwritten because i think i was in seventh grade <laughs> and uh, i'm like man then i got a typewriter a little peck, peck, peck. right right yeah, yeah Son of a bitch, man. What could be easier than this? Because this sucks. And I, man, I could just talk. We talk about this crap. So I was already in uh, metal music and stuff, and I had a Tascam four-track recorder. So we got fancy, and we would I would have uh, John Seaton uh, come out of one speaker, me come out of the other. And I remember John Arezzi of Pro Wrestling Spotlight, probably the first pro wrestling radio show, he said, man, you really beefed up your production, didn't you? And I'm like, yeah, I turned the dial this way and we both on the, but it was cool. You know, it, basically me being lazy. I did the same thing with MMA years later. I, I did uh, 
started out with a, a sheet, the sheets, paper, and then I went to video. And, and I, ironically, UFC came back and bought my entire library. I was the only human being filming all that backstage stuff. But uh, going back to, to Stone Code, and uh, I will never forget, I had heard through the grapevine, Eddie Gilbert told me, he's like, oh, Steve Austin got in trouble. He played the cassette on the... Uh, I guess the bus oh, ride. The bus. Yeah, the bus. Yeah. I remember the story. The bus to Texas and back. He yeah. played the cassette on there. Yeah. So never did I ever see any of the heels, much less faces, come off the stage at the Evansville Coliseum and walk to the concession stand. He walks over to me, and I thought that he was going to beat my ass or yell <laughs> at me. Or he's like, "Hey, I got in a little trouble." I'm like, "I heard." He's like. Oh well, he's like f this place. He's like, I gotta, I gotta offer to go to Puerto Rico. We talked about this before too, and I said, uh, I don't know if you should do that, man. I think you're gonna get picked up. Plus, you'd be bleeding every damn night in Puerto Rico. People throw all kinds of stuff at you, and he's like, you're probably right. And then, like we said, with you with the Undertaker, me with Stone Cold, right, right. Seven days later, he gets signed to like that $80,000 contract at WCW, and I don't hear from him for, I don't know, 20 years. <laughs> I, I have actually, I was going to go to a Wizard World just to pay to see Mark because I hadn't seen him in what, 30 something years. And, yeah. and I told this story. Uh, I took photographs of yeah. him in the graveyard. In Jonesboro, and I, I take credit for him getting an Undertaker job. I, I don't know if it's true, but I did take photographs, so I haven't seen him. I was actually going to pay like a hundred bucks just to meet him to see if he remembered. I know he had to remember yeah. me. I mean, look at this face, you know. Look, you can't forget <laughs> that face. So, uh, but yeah, it's just one of those things where you meet somebody on the way up. Paul Heyman's another guy. I talked to Paul. Yeah. I guess about five years ago, I think again, and just, you know, just touch base with him. There's other guys that I can send emails with that, that was from those days. It's, it's hilarious. Cause you don't look at it that way. You look at it as well. I was in the dressing room with that guy and I'll talk to him. Dutch is one of them. A couple other guys that work Memphis. Um, but you had all kinds of guys where you were interviewing them. You interviewed, uh, one of the funniest interviews is Carrie. Was it Carrie Von Eric yeah. that didn't know what city he was in, right? Yeah, there. I, I won't even get into the backstory <laughs> of that, but I said, Hey, Carrie, I, I do cassette wrestling news. You want to do a couple IDs for me? You know, it's when, whenever the guys would say, uh, Hey, this is such and such, and you're listening. Right, to right, right, right. And he goes, Hey, it's Carrie Von Eric, modern day warrior. You're listening to cassette wrestling news right here. Uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, where the hell am I? <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> like I, and I used it. I mean, I, I, I went ahead. You did. And you used it for the best. Yeah, yeah. You, it was kind of a promotion kind of thing. Yeah, those were the days, man. And, and Carrie, you know, I took pictures of Kevin who told me uh, he had a pink eye. That's the reason his eyes were pink that night. <laughs> and then I was told, you know, Dutch said he worked him and it wasn't pink eye. So he was stiff as a motherfucker as Dutch would yeah. say. Uh, so, and you interviewed, this is one of my favorite things. And I've been trying to get this from you for years. You don't even know where the cassette wrestling news is 
but Lawler was pissed at me, extremely yeah, pissed. Uh, and so what did Jeff do? Jeff being my friend, yeah. Jeff said, okay, Lawler, I don't want you to talk about, I don't want you to talk about Brian Trammell because Brian Trammell was my friend. No, Jeff did the, it's like he's, he's doing a promo for television. It's one of the greatest promos ever. It needs to be heard. Oh, it was, he, he turned on me in a second. Like we were all cool. And up until then, I'm like, Hey, uh, Joe Goodhart. He's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I mentioned, uh, Brian Trammell. It's like, <laughs> and then it's, uh, I'm like, Oh damn. I was just asking what the hell went down. And, uh, he turned on me. And then after that, I, uh, and I asked him a, a few years ago, I was like, do you remember calling my answering machine? telling me that I need to call you back because I, I gave a kid some cartoons out of a pro wrestling torch who worked at the, his dad pretty much ran a Coliseum and Lawler saw that he had the cartoons out of the torch. And uh, that was what it was about. And he's like, you damn guys never wrestled a day in your life. And you never <laughs> ran a show. This is after I had started. So I guess we, no, this is after I stopped it, but I'm like, actually, I do run shows, and I have lost a lot of money doing it, and I do wrestle. And then he, he kind of silence had a little bit of respect, but he still cussed me out. But he does not remember it. I mean, it's been years and years, 30 years. He's met a million people. I mean, you got to look at I it. Said something, uh, someone said something to me about the last time I seen Jerry, uh, they said, you should get Jerry on your show and ask you ask him about somebody. And I said, he won't remember them because the la one of the last conversations we had was me and you had was I was talking to Jerry to talk to you. Get a hold of Jeff Osborne. You remember Jeff? He's in Evansville. Yeah. He wants you to come to this convention and you did a big, huge convention. Right, right. And he goes, he goes, Brian, I don't remember anybody. And I'm like, okay. I said, but Jeff was, he did a cassette wrestling news and I went through the whole deal. And he didn't even remember doing the, the promo on me, which that pissed me off. I mean, you're supposed to be remembering yeah. shit about me now. Uh, but he didn't even remember that. This was this was before the heart attack. And then I seen him after the heart attack, and he said uh, he was a zombie. He was walking dead, yeah. so he's going to start doing conventions as walking dead. So, yeah. all right, man, we're going to take a commercial break. And Jeff's going to tell, and it's not wrestling related, it's the greatest, greatest, go ahead, greatest part story ever. After the commercial. Join us on Sunday, March 7th for our live TV tapings at Top of the Line Banquet Hall. Limited tickets are on sale now at championshipwrestlingmemphis.com. episode is brought to you by Spunk Lube. Spunk Lube is the perfect blend of water and silicone. It is an all-purpose personal lubricant that can be used for any occasion. You will love the natural feeling and look of it. It is safe for sensitive skin. Go to spunklube.com and tell them shooting the shiznit sent you.
This episode is also sponsored by Manscaped.com. That's right, get 20% off and free shipping with the code STSPOD. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com with promo code STSPOD. If you're stuck in a house and still want to order food, go with Uber Eats. That's right. Download Uber Eats on your favorite device. Get $7 off your first order by using this code EATS-BRIANT24790UE. That's E-A-T-S-B-R-I-A-N-T-24790UE. Back from commercial, we're just on YouTube, or if you listen to the audio version that came out or is coming out on Saturday, uh, thanks for listening. Jeff Osborne, uh, to me, Jeff, you was Cassette Wrestling News. That's how we met. And uh, when I mention your name, I almost always have to put uh, Cassette Wrestling News. But you told a story on Facebook one time, and I teased this. And I tell friends this story. It's one of the greatest fart stories ever. And I want I want to I want to talk about this because when you start working out now you know uh, I guess about five years ago I got in the best shape of my life I'm a fat ass again well I guess about nine years ago now I'm a fat ass again but I got in the best shape of my life if you work out you understand eating protein eating uh, drinking protein eating chicken being so good putting in your body but for some reason you have the worst smells coming out when you're doing that. And yep. so tell tell the worst fart ever, Jeff. You got to tell the story. <laughs> I, I, I was going to the post office, uh, and yeah, you're talking about eating stuff like this. There you like, go. There you go. <laughs> black beans and refried beans. Uh, well, I was going to the post office doing my daily stop, and man, I just it, my windows were cracked just a little bit on each side, and. <laughs> I let one rip and we're at a a long, traditionally long stoplight in Evansville, Indiana. And then I hear the lady next door to me go, God damn. Now, now Jeff, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to tell everybody next to him. He said, it's the lady in the car next to him with her window down too. And she's about greatest part ever. I can't even top it. I'm not going to top it right there. Uh There's more. Uh Oh, okay. Go ahead. Yeah. I go to the post office. I, I, uh, it was a, <laughs> I go mail my stuff. I come back out, open the door, and it about knocks me down and beats the shit out of me right when I open the door. And I'm like, how does a human being do this? <laughs> and then later I, I go home. I take my kid to volleyball practice, and she accuses me of pre-shitting before I get in the car because it still stinks so bad from two hours before. That's a good fart. <laughs> that is a good part. The best part ever. Now we all as kids, and, and this is as adults, but you know, guys, you got to remember at 12 years old is what, uh, me and Jeff, that's pretty much our level when it comes to parts yeah. or wrestling or, or anything like that. So that's kind of level of a humor there is. But when you told that I read it to my wife and I had the biggest laugh and she, you know, she's just sitting there and she goes, Ooh, you know, that's, that's kind of what she says. Uh, and I'm getting a, cr- I, I, but I have to tell it if I'm in a group full of people that I haven't been with for a while, I'm going to say, especially if a fart comes up, 
then you you know you have to tell about Jeff Osborne. Now, my, all my friends know the story. He was at a freaking stoplight, and the lady said he stunk. So there you go. Hey, this would be the perfect time to stop the podcast and bring on my old buddy Lance to talk about Manscaped. So Manscaped, Happy New Year for Manscaped. Uh, they are the best in men's below the waist, not above the Woo. waist, although there's some of us that, that get it mistaken. So best below the waist grooming offering, precision engineered tools for your family jewels, tools for the jewels. Uh, they're here to help you with clean balls to ring in the new year. So ring in the new year with the right tools for that job. All right. So happy 2021. It's spoiler alert. Oh, this is a spoiler alert, Lance. Hairy nuts are still gross. (laughs) Step us to the new year with the tree standing taller and shave your boys. Hey, did you notice that? It looks like the tree's taller, man, when you shave your boys. Just a little bit taller. So, Uh, okay. Landscaped is here to give you a New Year's resolution that you actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package you need to start off strong this year. So come out of quarantine with clean balls. We got to say balls about 75 times in this. <laughs> Thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. This water safe, waterproof skin safe trimmer will reduce Nick's not Stevie Nicks, to your new two best new two best friends. Uh, third generation trimmer even has a light to shine in the promised land of 2021 looking to be. So it's also time to freshen up down there for the new year. The crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You That's already put stuff. De- I, I know. You, I, I mean, it. you already yeah. put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put them on the smelliest part of your body too? So, and for on-the-go freshness, get this: you'll love the Crop Reviver. It's a ball toner spray, not toner like ink, not black ink on your balls. It's a toner spray. Just a couple of sprays makes you feel fresh. There, start a sprint, the year like a spray. <laughs> Like start the new year with a fresh set of testes, thanks to Manscaped. (laughs) Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speak of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing, anti-chafing, yes, anti-chafing, yes. Boxer briefs are also included. Man, I love those things and bring you underwear game to the next level. Bring sexy back in 2021 and tell us how, Lance. Uh, you can get 20% off and free shipping. That is big with the code STSPOD, right? That's STSPOD. That That's STSPOD right. at manscaped.com. That's M A N S C A P E D.com. And your balls, your testes, your nuts, all the adjectives and the synonyms that we used in here will thank you. That's right. 20% off free shipping with the code STSPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code STSPOD. New year, new balls. New balls. Uh, all right, let's get back to the subject. Talk to me about, so you went from being a wrestler, uh, being a cassette wrestler news, uh, being a wrestler, um, and, and then getting in and Probably your biggest success you made a reference just earlier was hook and shoot. What made you as, I mean, did, was it just uh, what was going to happen next? Because she was a huge fan of hook and shoot. I mean, of shoot fighting or what made you do that? I always got the tapes and uh, all that, all you know, UWFI, which got, it was work shoot, but you still loved it. Right. It was work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I saw UFC one and I'm like, man, this shit's fake. So I started training 
Uh, and coincidentally, my instructor was already doing pancrase in Japan, Scott Sullivan. And I'm like, damn, there's a dude who fights in Japan. He's d- giving jujitsu lessons, shoot boxing, fighting. So we started going there and started learning all this stuff. And UFC two comes out I'm like, man, I still don't believe this crap. And then uh, eventually uh, I'm like, I'm going to run a damn show. I'm going to gather up people from around the United States and try to run a show. And I, I by that time it comes around, I'm like, okay, this, this, this is real. These guys really do hate each other or they respect each other. There, there was no, uh, you know, middle ground when it comes to MMA of that era. And uh, eventually ran a show. I didn't mean to leave pro wrestling at the time. It just kind of happened. Um, I think after I got into MMA, I did one final pro wrestling match at the Evansville Coliseum just because I wanted to do one there. And that was it. And, uh, you know, who would have thought I would ever be running shows at the Coliseum? And there were a couple shows, man. There were there were three thousand people at, at at least two of those shows I had there. So unbelievable. We violated so many fire laws. <laughs> it was uh, we, and then at one point we did have to do like a nightclub thing where whoever had to go out and smoke, we had to let people in. We had about seventy people waiting to get in, and they didn't care. But that's after. I had a partner and we ran some of the best fights, some of the highest dollar cards ever for that time. But after me and him split, I focused on all locals and uh, built major stars out of locals. And this was that time where people would come to like, Hey, I'm coming to see Chris Jennings. He's in the second match. Well, he sold 200 tickets. Half of right, those right. leave. Yeah. And then a hundred more, I can let a hundred more people in. And that's what was happening. Hey, it got crazy. There were three shows in that building where I walked out with uh, two duffel bags full of money. I'll never forget those nights. It was insane. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of like uh, uh, I remember started reading about it in the Observer, and Dave would put in the results, and then he said, "Hook and shoot, Jeff Osborne," and I was like, "Well, th- this was we weren't even in cont- contact with each other during that time." And I was like, "What the fuck's Jeff doing? God, you know what's he doing?" And then it just kept getting where they say, "Sell out again, sell out again." Uh, and I wish I kicked myself in the ass for not going to Evansville and actually sitting in there. Um, I had. I talked to Cornette about this one time and he said, well, he could get that many people in there, but I don't know. Maybe he was just bullshitting. And I'm like, no, Corny. It was one of those things where, uh, it just happened. And we, I know I've heard you say this and, and listen to you talk about it before, but your hook and shoot and, and the, the, uh, evolution of USC in, in small shows if you look at professional wrestling, it's the same thing. What happened was you had all these wrestlers that knew what they were doing. And then everyone started putting on shit shows because you could order a ring. What happened to you is you was putting on quality shows, but then you had Joe Bob down the road who got him a ring and said, he's going to put on some shoot fighting, right? Yeah, it, it became, I think me and TJ Thompson in Hawaii and Monty Cox, uh, of Iowa. We were the only three that were doing it and we ran quality shows. I mean, if you look back, cause we were the first to do it and I got Dan Lambert, who's a big wrestling fan. And he remembered me from the observer and all that stuff. And right, right. He ends up 
approaching us and saying, hey, uh, if I sponsored your show for 30, 40 or $50,000, can you get my guys fights? I'm like, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, let me think about so, it. I'll call yeah. you back in a little bit. Yeah. And I, yeah. When I was with my partner and he focused more on the international aspect of it, which at one point we had a show so freaking big, we had to rent the Coliseum out for a Sunday and do a Sunday matinee show. Um, but Dan was sponsoring the shows and we were bringing in some at the time, some of the best freaking talent on the planet and it got us notoriety, but it wasn't selling us tickets. I mean, we were doing a thousand, maybe 12 to 1500. And then one show did have a couple thousand people on it or attendance, but it wasn't until, you know, we split, uh, ultimate fighter hits creates just a, that was the shittiest. I, I hate that era of MMA personally. Uh, but, but it created a big craze. All of a sudden I got a million people wanting to train to fight this, that and all of a sudden, uh, instead of having two or three local stars, I have about 20 and Jeez. each one, you got to figure each one of them. I had one guy sell 280 tickets and another guy on the same show sell 220. So right there, you're, you know, 500 tickets between two dudes. That's before we even go to, to the public. And then I had, you know, 12 other locals on that show and it just blew up. But I hate the era of Ultimate Fighter because every, that that was it. Everybody started running turd shows. You know, you went from having about eight shows around the United States to probably 150 and it ruined you everything. still have you still there's still well there was before you would have either the boxing or, or the ultimate fight and they're just they're they remind me so much of independent bad independent wrestling yeah. not independent wrestling isn't good but it all it was was a, who are these guys were well, their local guys they sold tickets which i did i promoted a show one time in selmer tennessee and i had some names on it maybe one i think and rest of them were local guys but this one guy <laughs> This is horrible, but he had three matches and he wanted to have his fourth match and I let him sell tickets and he sold 150 tickets and he was in the main event and he pinned my heel champion. So there you go. I mean, in six man tag. So, and they were like, what the hell did you do that for? Well, he's in his hometown. I want to, I want him to win. He don't have to wrestle. Just put him in there for a little bit. So it's just one of those things that I did. Now you 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 talked to, you said just a few minutes about USC and how you know that era was and what's going on. USC still big big biggest business right now. But let's talk about your history with USC. You was you, I seen you on television, right? Yeah, I uh, <laughs> as with everything in our industry, I faked my way into doing everything, but. <laughs> <laughs> if you remember some of those cassette wrestling news, we would we would do like Jerry Lawler and Jeff Jarrett versus Moondogs commentary from Evansville with me and John. And we would have fun with it. Goof off. Right, right. Just stupid stuff. And I learned all this from Lance. I owe Lance Russell so much. And I finally got to tell him and thank you him. You told me that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that meant so much to me because I, I would have been nothing without Memphis wrestling. I swear to God, I would be nothing if I found didn't find out about Memphis wrestling. And uh, anyway, coincidentally, I had one of the greatest fights of, of all time happen in Evansville between Aaron Riley and Eve Edwards, two of the nicest guys who were 
just unbelievable to one another. And, and they just had these wars. And I did commentary over that. I sent it in and, and they're like, hey, we want you to, you know, come here and do a tryout. You got the job, but we want you to do a tryout. So I went there and it was the worst thing I've ever done because it was me and Mike Goldberg. And the the thing was, let's see if Jeff can work with IFB earpiece. Instead of an earpiece, they put out like an answering machine, a two-way uh, walkie-talkie. So they would cut me off and it's like, rah, 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 rah. okay, I could handle that in my ear saying, Jeff, 10 seconds to package or wrap it up in five seconds. But we both stopped talking to hear what's going on, this stupid ass answering machine. So it was terrible, but I had the job already. So I don't even know why I went. Ended up being on 9-11. So I wake up the next morning to the Twin Towers burning, got stuck there for six days. But luckily, the Fertitas owned 12 hotels and I was all right. So, oh, wow. Yeah. wow. yeah that's it. And again, I call in my own match. It, it didn't hurt that the, the match I called and gave to him was one of the best fights of all time, too. So it made me look good. And I got that gig. I got overpaid for that. And they didn't catch it till about three shows in. Finally corrected it. <laughs> How did you did you did you just leave USC or were you fired? Or, and I remember you telling or seeing somewhere just in he's in some foreign country and and you went you went places with USC. Uh, but what all happened with it? What are some of the places you went? Um, you know, except for the United States here in this area. Well, we uh, me and my partner Miguel Iterade. We always butted heads about stuff. If I made a hundred dollars, he would spend two hundred of it and hope that we made another hundred next week. Uh, but in hindsight, he did do wonders for us. He got us a gig in the United Arab Emirates, which is who UFC works with now. The same guys that I worked with in nineteen ninety eight, ninety nine, and two thousand, and and I owe them a lot too. Uh, the two sheiks, Sheik Haza Ben Zayed, uh, and oh my God, I can't remember. Sheik Taknu Ben Zayed. They're the guys who brought UFC over there too. So he gets us a gig videotaping their uh, Abu Dhabi World Grappling Championships, which turned out oh, wow. to be the Olympics of grappling pretty much. And then they said, uh, if you want to edit these, you can have all the video rights. I'm like, you just flew 16 of my guys here round trip, uh, $3,000 plus per plane ticket, put us up in a five-star hotel, fed everybody, did all this stuff. And you want to give me the video rights to this? So this this is pre-DVD. Uh, we get the video rights, put a seven VHS package out for $200, ended up selling thousands of them and built the comp, built hook and shoot up even more and ran bigger shows. Uh, that turned out to be one of the biggest things ever. Then the following year, same thing. Uh, they gave us the video rights to 2001 and we did DVDs, which was unprecedented. We bracketed out like your, your two guys here, two guys here. And the sheiks loved it. Oh wow! <laughs> they would go. They would go click right here for you know match number two, and they could right, 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 yeah, yeah. And then they go. They gave us a video rights at that, so that was another six figures that year that we uh, spent on fights and stuff. We just built it up, built it up. I personally, from that era, the only thing I have to show for it is the actual hook and shoot belt. 
because uh, we just blew all the money. I mean, I didn't get paid by any means until later and we split and I focused on local stars. That's when things changed. And you, uh, why did you leave USC? Did you leave it on uh, good terms or piss somebody uh, off? It was weird, man. Uh, Dana has not always been that tough guy that everyone sees on television. Uh, he actually had the producer of the show call me, Steve Tornabini at the time, uh, who was like a little Eric Bischoff looking guy. And Steve goes, ah, we're kind of changing things up on the next broadcast. Um, we're going to have you do in-ring interviews. And Joe Rogan's going to do the commentary. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's fine. And they would not feed me anything to ask. So, and then they keep using this clip of me asking Tito Ortiz if he's going to fight Chuck Liddell. I get hit up about it all the time. Right, right, yeah. I did that on my own. Nobody told me to do it. They just wanted stupid fight interviews. And I'm not about stupid fights. I'm about the setup and the angle and the aftermath that sets up another, you know, it's all wrestling to me. Right, they right, right. Wrestling. God dang, they hated wrestling so much. Um, oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, but yeah. that's what, uh, and it's funny because as it got big time, you'll see, they do promote the shows just like old school wrestling. Exactly. I want to talk about something real quick and then I'll let you get out of here. We may have you on again. Uh, there may be some people with other questions about all the stuff you've done. Um, you're a guy, Jeff, and, and you, you're really modest, but I'm going to tell you something. Almost everything that you put your mind to, uh, it's successful. You, you've told me things that you've done in your personal life. And then you've told me, um, you know, and I know about wrestling, I know about cassette wrestling news. I know about all that stuff, but you opened a comic book store. Why comic books? Uh, actually someone pissed me off. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. Revenge. There we go. I love right. this. Tell the story. <laughs> I was running the convention, you know, the one Lawler, Dundee, Valiant, all, all those Lance came to. Right, right. Huge uh, convention. One of the, let's go back to the, remember what we said about USC and hook and shoot and what we said about wrestling and bad shows. He had this, you had the same experience with, uh, uh, these conventions, yeah, yeah, but go ahead. Convention, you're right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but I mainly went to the biggest comic store in Evansville and said, Hey, and I want to include you guys, this and that. Uh, and we had our meetings there, and you know, I had a group of eight people helping me. I never had help with anything, I did it all myself before, and I wasn't used to it. And we would all spend our money at the store, and uh, I would take my flyers in there, and I would notice they would be gone. So then I had all these artists and I support artists heavily, comic book artists, all, any kind of artists. So one guy who was a regular there and he was there all the time drawing, he asked me, he's like, Hey, I got a table at your, uh, at your convention. Can I get some posters and flyers and cards like you had? So I drop them off. I go back in there an hour later, they're in the trash. Uh, the owner of that store kept throwing our stuff in the trash. And then he's so stupid that he told all of his workers, don't you mention PopCon. You act like that that convention doesn't exist because it takes food off my table and money out there of my you pocket. You, yeah. All the wrestling. Everybody, wrestling, exactly. there you go. That's what happened with wrestling. Don't do, don't do that show because if you do that show, you can't do my show for yeah. $20. So. so with that, I'm like, man, I'm doing a day and a half long show. I'm pushing 
thousands of people who don't even know about your business to your business and you do this. And I kept turning the other cheek. So many other things happened. So I'm like, you know what? Screw you, man. I'm going to, I'm going to open a store. I that's right after I got my, my uh, library bought out by UFC and I didn't want to pay taxes. So I bought this big giant building <laughs> and uh, opened the store and I didn't know it was going to work. It's actually done pretty well. Um, arcade records, uh, video games and consoles, toys, collectible, all kinds of crap. Uh, it, it's turned out pretty well, you know, and again, somebody made me mad and I didn't want to pay taxes. What about COVID? Does it hurt you with COVID? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't have and, and the thing I loved about you that you were bringing in so many kids that they didn't have anything to do in the afternoons. And I, I hate I, I'm really uh, that people say, well, video games, they should be out playing or blah, blah, blah. But that's not what it was. You was able to take these kids that, that probably wouldn't have went and played basketball anyway. Uh, and they, you know, they made some friends. They played video yeah. games at your place. I love the idea of you being able to let them play video games for X amount of money and all that. Uh, but I, let's all, I'm going to turn this back into wrestling. Tell us the wrestlers, because I know a few of them. Tell us the wrestlers that's visited you since since you've been in Evansville. Oh, uh, I just had Foley here. That was Foley's first appearance since COVID. And it was his last appearance that he's going to do. He's not going to do any more. He felt like he owed it to me because we postponed it. Uh, and he hasn't, I haven't seen him do anywhere else. He's, he's really, uh, you know, cautious of COVID, which he did catch it. Right. Right. I'm probably going to have Lawler back in a couple of months. I had Lawler here and the line was just ridiculous. It was four hours. Lawler never took a pee break one time. If you didn't Good have God. Yeah, he, if you didn't have the money for a photo, he'd say, ah, come on back here, let's get one anyway. I was like, dang, this probably, this wasn't the Jerry we knew in 1989. He was very nice, and he took time for every single person. Uh, God, who We else? will, Jeff. Tell the, tell the truth. You paid him well. I, I, I gave him more money than his regular guarantee. There you go. I, I know how Jerry works, and he has right. a good time, but he does do that. He loves it, but he also likes the money, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. But, but tell he, me, I know you had Jerry and you had people as personal appearance, but you had Vince Russo walk in. Yeah, he was a regular every week. He used to buy albums from you, didn't you? Yeah. Didn't you tell me that? Record albums? Yeah, bro. Every week, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, no, he was a good dude. I had no problem with him, but that that's right around the time I quit watching wrestling, right around the Russo where Cornette hates his guts. Right, uh, right, right. And, and I wasn't watching around that time, so I have no judgment about Russo. I know he's done some weird stuff. Uh, Russo. What about, uh, what about the WWE guys? I know they stop. Uh, I'm going to give you some. People's going to be hanging around your uh, building like they used to the hotels, but do, I know AJ's do. been. Who's who's all the people that's been in there? Uh, Xavier Woods, mostly. Just mostly those two guys. AJ. Oh, okay. Almost had to ask AJ to leave last time. He was having too much fun. Uh, my arcade guy, not a wrestling fan, and I, did, I wasn't didn't make that connection. So AJ is he's starstruck by my arcade guy and all the stuff he has and that he, the boards and what he can do. And he's talking to Andrew and he's like, yeah, yeah, man, I want to do this. And how do you do this? And then I go, Andrew, you want a picture with AJ before he leaves? And he's like, 
Uh, I guess I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Not going to put him over. Yeah, I don't know yeah. who this guy is. I don't care. And then AJ is. Uh, I've seen him on. I guess I've seen him on a couple of different shows on YouTube. And he he is just a big kid with video games and, yeah. and goes way way beyond what I would. Uh, but uh, Xavier's like that too, right? I mean, he likes all the old systems. And and do you still have? Do you have still have games for like? I'm gonna tell you my favorite old system, all right? Okay. And you're gonna probably you're probably gonna laugh when I tell you, but my favorite old system was Dreamcast. Got plenty of them. I had a awesome, Dreamcast. awesome. I had a Dreamcast. And do they still put out games? Because I know Japan does yeah. that with some systems. No, no, no. Yeah, they do. I no mean, games. not Dreamcast, but uh, uh, Dreamcast was the first UFC game. That's the only reason I bought it. Uh, and I remember you could. Be mounted. You get on Wi-Fi too with it. Yeah, you, yeah, there, yeah. Well, not Wi-Fi, but it was there was a modem in it that said like that, and you could get online. Uh, but do you? I don't know if you remember this, but Dreamcast was one of the first. Uh, they talked about they're not going to be. A, we're talking about video games instead of wrestling, but get over it, guys. <laughs> uh, they said they weren't going to be able to copy those games, and they have something special on them. And the reason the dream, one of the big reasons Dreamcast wasn't successful was we were all bootlegging. We was bootlegging all the games. Yeah. All you had to do was copy them and put them in the player, and they worked. That the you took away. There was a line at the very beginning of the software, and you just took that software out and you just bootlegged yeah. them. So Dreamcast is my favorite, uh, and it had a I, it had a wrestling games on it too, so that I liked a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right, guys. Hey, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on. Guys, y'all know, same bad time, same bad channel on the best little wrestling podcast in the business. Be there. And I know, Jeff, you don't know this because you don't listen to my podcast, but I love my mama. <laughs> Did you enjoy that episode? Cash App us. That's right. Dollar sign B-T-S-T-S. Cash App us. $1, $2. If you Cash App us over $12, I'll give you one year of Patreon for free. Graphic design is very important. Your logo is the first image potential customers see. What kind of impression would you want to make today? Need a podcast logo or a t-shirt design? KT does art. Her name has become synonymous with quality and professionalism in the graphic design community. She specializes in graphic design, painting, and more. She provides affordable commissions and professional quality with a timely delivery. Contact KT via email at KT underscore does art at yahoo.com. Check out her Instagram at Instagram.com slash KT underscore does art. Hey, that was another great episode of Shooting the Shiznit. We're currently looking for contestants for who wants to be the best Shiznit or ever championship 2021. A shout out to our sponsors this month. And also, we have Patreon. It is only $1 at www.patreon.com slash shooting the shiznit without a G. A big thank you and a shout out to Bob McGee at Pro Wrestling, Between the Sheets, and Gene Jackson at localstolegends.com. You can reach us on Twitter at comicbookmarkbt, Instagram BT shooting the shiznit without a G. Facebook shooting this isn't with a G, and we're also at Cool Kids Wrestling and MMA Talk 
you got to ask to get in. If we don't like you, we'll kick you out. That's right. And you can get all the archives to all the episodes at www.stspod.club. All right, let's do a roll call of my favorite podcast. So my favorite non-wrestling podcast would be Who's Right Podcast, Paul Boy's Podcast, The Official Podcast, Man Brain Podcast, My Favorite Murder Podcast, I Am Fat Podcast, and my buddies over there, Richard and Josh at P3 Radio. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today, and remember, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars.